Welcome to FYI, the four-year innovation podcast. This show offers an intellectual discussion on technologically enabled disruption, because investing in innovation starts with understanding it. To learn more, visit arc-invest.com. Arc Invest is a registered investment advisor focused on investing in disruptive innovation. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. It does not constitute either explicitly or implicitly any provision of services or products by Arc. All statements made regarding companies or securities are strictly beliefs and points of view held by Arc or podcast guests and are not endorsements or recommendations by Arc to buy, sell, or hold any security. Clients of Arc Investment Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of FYI. My name is Nicholas Gruss. I'm an Associate Portfolio Manager at ARC, and I also work on the next generation internet strategy covering digital entertainment. I'm also joined today by Andrew Kim. Hi, everyone. I'm a Research Associate for the Next Generation Internet Strategy, working closely under Nick and Will Summerlin. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. So today we are going to be walking through our open source model and blog on Roku, And in that discussion, we'll cover both the top-down and bottom-up analysis that went into it. And just to get right into this, we believe that Roku, as the only purpose-built operating system for TVs, is going to be a prime beneficiary of the shift from linear to connected TV. And it's going to be able to monetize both content and ad inventory as more viewers and ad dollars shift from linear, which is really considered cable and broadcast, into the streaming ecosystem. So all of the ad dollars that flow into streaming services, um, as well as being able to monetize off of taking a subscription fee for signing up for services like Netflix and HBO Max that don't offer advertising. Um, But what we're currently seeing is actually a lot of these services are offering two types of tiers, one ad-free and one ad-supported. And both of those opportunities is something that Roku, as an operating system, so really as the platform for TVs and streaming services, can take advantage of. Really, the way that we think about Roku in this new digital TV ecosystem is as the new cable box. And so to give an example or to give this analogy, really what we're seeing is this shift from the cable box and cable companies being the gatekeepers of content and services on TV. Um, And now what we're seeing is operating systems like Roku, Fire TV, Chromecast operating in that same sense. So having a very important role to play in how the streaming services are being able to distribute their content to the broader audience um, and to all of the TVs out there that are connected to the streaming ecosystem. And we think that this is going to be a very, very, very important role. So to set the stage and give you some figures around, you know, how big this opportunity can be, we think it's important and really on the top down point of view to focus on two figures or or two buckets of, of, of focus for us. One is viewers and the other is ad dollars. And what we've historically seen, especially within the digital um, advertising and, or just advertising space in general is what happens as we have new platforms emerge and new entertainment types emerge, we actually see viewers go first and ad dollars go second. And so currently what we're seeing is viewers are shifting over to connected and streaming, but the ad dollars have yet to catch up. And so to put this into um, some figures for you, 
Linear TV today commands around, in the U.S., around 72 million households. So there's still 72 million households either connected to cable or broadcast. Uh, We think that's going to drop to around 49 million households um, in the coming five years. Whereas connected TV, and understandably so, there is some overlap here in terms of you know households having access to both linear and, and streaming. Um, but connected TV is actually higher today um, at 108 million households, growing to roughly 149 million households in the U.S. Understandably so, this is actually not just a U.S. phenomenon. We actually think the global TAM should really be looked at on a broadband level. So the number of houses globally that have access to broadband or internet, and that stands at around 1.2 billion today. So we're talking about a massive opportunity. Um, and so we've already seen this shift in terms of viewers. Um, and actually to quote the CEO of Roku, Anthony Wood, in the U.S., U.S. audiences spend roughly 46% of their time on streaming while advertisers spend only 18% of their TV ad budgets on streaming. So again, there's this mismatch in terms of dollars spent and engagement. And that's a really exciting opportunity for companies like Roku. Um, To broaden it out a bit, if you were to look at not just TV ad budgets, but total ad budgets, digital TV ad spending, so the amount of dollars spent in the streaming space and connected TV space, is only around 6%. So a little bit lower than that 18% of TV ad budgets when you look at it on a total advertising budget basis. That's compared to around 23% for the amount of ad dollars still spent in the linear TV space in the U.S. And so to think about these opportunities on on a broader basis, if you were to look at the global amount of dollars spent um, for linear TV, it actually stands at around $169 billion dollars. In the U.S., it's around $66 billion, um, and we see both of those figures declining. Globally, we see it dropping around 4% annually to around uh, $138 billion by 2026. Um, and in the U.S., we think that $66 billion can drop to around $49 billion, so a negative 6% CAGR over time. And so those dollars are actually shifting into this connected TV ad space where Roku is the number one streaming TV platform by hours in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. So again, we're talking about a global story, not just a story about the U.S. TV market. Although it is the biggest, we think it is actually foreshadowing what's going to be seen and witnessed globally as more and more households globally adopt streaming services and connected TVs. Um, So we think Roku is very well positioned to be able to build on the success that they've had in the U.S. um, and expand globally, which is what they've done in both Canada and Mexico. They operate in the U.K. and Germany. um, And we think they're going to continue to expand as this is, again, a global story of entertainment. Um, So with that, I'm going to hand it over to Andrew and, you know, we'll ha- we'll go back and forth in terms of, you know, some of the figures and really some of the key drivers of this model. Thank you, Nick. Although you'll see in our open source model and companion piece that we employ many variables, 
to communicate our conviction in each of Roku's business segments. Uh, we believe that our assumptions uh, for three key variables are the primary factors in our evaluation outcomes. Um, in order for our thesis to crystallize, Roku should exhibit strong active account growth through the next five years. Um, active accounts refer to all accounts that have streamed content via Roku in the last 30 days until reporting. Uh, given our high conviction in Roku's potential execution in both international expansion, as outlined by Nick, and content diversification via you know, more partnerships and in-house production, uh, we believe in our base case that Roku can grow its active accounts from 61 million as of the first fiscal quarter of 2022 to 157 million in 2026 at a compound annual rate of 23%. I just want to put that figure into perspective in terms of 156 million households. Again, we're talking about at the end state in 2026, around 100 or 1.2 billion households having access globally to CTVs. So you're talking about only a fraction of the market. So even in our uh, in our base case, when you look at the global market, we're not talking about Roku having you know greater than 50% share of the market. We're actually talking about it just really maintaining um, and slightly uh, increasing that that um, share in which you know we look at it on a, a, a global level. Right, which is quite conservative given I believe eMarketer kind of uh, assessed that Roku already has around 50% share in the U.S. alone um, as of the end of 2021. Um, but yeah, so we think it's pretty conservative on our part. Uh, in our bear and bull cases, we forecast Roku to increase active accounts to 117 million and 186 million active accounts at compound annual rates of 16% and 27%. Second, uh, we believe Roku must also increase engagement per account over the next five years. So we view our variable forecasting the daily hours streamed on Roku per active account as also a critical driver of the model. We know from Nielsen and eMarketer that U.S. adults spent on average between three and four hours a day watching linear TV throughout the past few years. Uh, we estimate that the average Roku active account in 2021 streamed 36 hours of content per day. Uh, note that this is not an apples to apples comparison, given that Nielsen and eMarketer estimate viewing time on a per person basis, whereas Roku accounts are often shared by more than one person, making it a better proxy for households uh, rather than for an individual. So if anything, we believe that Roku's daily hour stream per active account metric has a lot of room to grow uh, since it is comparable to a per person metric at the moment. We forecast in our base case for average daily hours on Roku to grow at a 5% compound annual rate from 3.6 hours a day in 2021 to 4.5 hours in 2026. And we project four hours a day in our bear case and 4.8 hours in our bull case. I think there's you know important ways to break down this time, just given the depth of Roku's business model. And I think this is probably a good time to touch on that in terms of you know the different revenue drivers within advertising uh, for Roku. So Roku monetizes um, via third-party advertisements. So different services um, will allocate roughly 30% of their ad load to Roku, and then Roku gets to monetize that 30% of that advertising time. Um, there's also first-party advertising, and Andrew, I'm sure you have a lot of points on this in terms of the Roku channel itself. 
um, which is actually a top five channel on the Roku platform in the U.S. by reach and engagement. Um, so that's going to be first party advertisements. They control 100% of that ad stack um, and 100% of that ad load because that's their channel. Um, they determine what content you see on there. And then you also have uh, the OneView platform, which I'll let you touch on, Andrew, um, as well as um, display advertisings. So there's a few different ways that Roku actually drives revenue dollars uh, within this broader advertising ecosystem. Right, right. So I guess just stepping a little bit back and looking at all of um, ad-supported viewing time um, as a whole, uh, that brings us to our third most important variable. Um, so while Roku can still monetize on its user basis activities within subscription-based video on-demand platforms, we think that the larger opportunity, as Nick outlined, is in Roku's potential monetization in the rise of advertising-based video on-demand platforms. Uh, Roku's ability to command ad revenues, of course, uh, depends on to what extent users stream ad-supported content as opposed to subscription-based content. And we estimate that in 2021, approximately 15% of total hours streamed on Roku was allocated to third-party app-based content platforms, such as YouTube and Hulu, whereas another 10% was allocated to Roku's first-party uh, ad-based content platform called the Roku channel. Uh, we also include content whose video ad inventory was transacted on uh, through Roku's app platform OneView into that percentage. Uh, thus, in total, we estimate in 2021, approximately 25% of total viewing time was attributable to ad-based content. Uh, we believe that this contribution can increase due to two catalysts. First, we believe viewing of first-party ad-based content will increase as Roku continues to invest in the Roku channel through more premium subscription partnerships and investment in original content pipelines. Uh, second, we believe more high-quality subscription-based streaming services such as Netflix, Disney, HBO Max will all offer a free ad-supported tier, exposing viewers to more ad-based content through the next five years. Uh, through these catalysts, uh, we think that the percent of our streamed on ad-supported content will increase to 35% of total hours streamed in our base case, whereas we forecast this percentage to be 28% and 43% in our bear and bull cases, respectively. Yeah, and I want to uh, elaborate a little bit further on, you know, this increasing amount of um, advertising supply that's coming online into the streaming space. And, you know, we, we, we should touch on this further because I don't think we touch on it enough in the blog, but just understanding, you know, the discrepancy between the ad dollars still in the linear TV space and in the streaming space. And what's really holding back a large majority of those ad dollars is actually the fact that you haven't seen, at least in the US, the large um, sports flow over to the streaming space. Uh, we've had a few of the sports leagues, so the MLB, the NFL, um, the NHL, and the NBA sign smaller contracts with um, streaming services like Hulu and Apple and um, a few of these, uh, and, and Amazon being one with the NFL. And we've seen, you know, them take one or two games or, you know, a portion of the season and be able to, you know, show those games in, 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 in streaming or stream those games to viewers, I should say. Um, but what we haven't seen is one of these leagues fully sign on uh, with one of these streaming services. And so really live sports has been and continues to be a linchpin, really holding the linear TV ad space together. Um, because that's where a lot of advertising dollars flow. 
And even though we're starting to see, as Andrew pointed out, a lot of these services offer two different types of tiers, um, and we're seeing increased advertising supply come on in terms of you know the the slots where you can advertise. Uh, what we think will be a really big um, accelerator for the space is as we get more and more live sports um, to flow over to the streaming space. We think that could happen within the next five years. We're starting to see these early signs where you've had the NFL sign on with Amazon, the MLB just signed a package with Apple. Um, and so you're starting to see incremental progress in this space. Um, but that's going to, you know, when that happens, when one or two of these leagues sign a full year license um, with a streaming service, that's really going to be when the floodgates open and a ton of ad dollars flow over into the space. I should also add in terms of you know how this ecosystem works, um, in the TV space, uh, you have something called the upfronts. And this is uh, you know a few months um, during which advertisers and um, you know broadcast companies and cable companies and um, broadcast channels come together and they actually, and this is you know something, that is changing now with streaming and being able to personalize advertisements to different households. And we really haven't even gotten into that and how, you know, the streaming ecosystem, the advertising ecosystem uh, for connected TV is highly efficient compared to what we currently see in the linear TV space. If you have 50 million households and you're broadcasting the Super Bowl, all of those households typically see the same advertisements. Uh, what we're going to see created in the streaming space is something that's more akin to what you're used to on social media, meaning that all of your advertisements are personalized given the first-party data that these companies like Roku are able to collect. So you're going to see a highly efficient market evolve around the connected TV space, um, something that you know Linear has never and will never be able to match just given the way that the content is broadcast to users. So I think those are really important distinctions as we continue to talk about this, you know, advertising space, because it really, as Andrew is pointing out, it is a very large portion of, you know, why we're so excited about Roku, why we think the opportunity can be so big. It's because they have access to all of this new ad inventory that's flowing over into a space that's highly efficient compared to linear. And so we actually think on a, on a global TAM basis, it's more important, and I, I threw out a few of these statistics before around you know, the ad dollars that have been in linear TV, $169 billion today globally, $66 billion linear, linear, uh, in the U.S. for linear TV. But if you look at what is spent in the digital space, so you're talking about social media companies, um, Google, Amazon, these types of services, we're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars. So the really what we should be looking at for Roku and these operating systems that have been built on digital rails is the global digital ad spend. Um, and today, that's at around $430 billion. And we believe that's going to $850 billion uh, by 2026. So that's a 14% compound annual growth rate versus that negative 4% compound annual growth rate, which is what we were, what we believe will happen in the global linear TV space. So again, you're shifting dollars to the digital um, ad space. Um, in the U.S., again, you're talking about very large figures. The U.S. digital ad space is around $179 billion, and that's going to around $413 billion. So almost 50% of that you know, global spend 
Um, and that's around 18% compound annual growth rate. And so we want to give those figures to you to help you understand how we're looking at this opportunity. Again, we're talking about a billion plus potential households. Um, and we're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars worth of digital ad spend that can all make its way into the connected TV space. And we hear it time and time and again from companies like Roku, from companies like the Trade Desk that operate in this connected TV ad space, talking about this massive opportunity at hand because it's so undertapped and it's significantly better than what TV advertisers are used to today, which is just linear broadcast, linear advertisements. It's almost, uh, I would say, a hockey stick-like improvement versus you know, the TV ad space um, for, for today. Um, so just, yeah, I wanted to add that tidbit there. Um, and I'll, I'll hand it back to you now, Andrew. Sure. Yeah. Just going back to what you mentioned on sports rights and then efficiency, just going back to sports rights, um, someone very close to uh, closely involved in our research ecosystem uh, last week, she reminded us that now out of the top 100 channels on linear TV, uh, 95 of them are uh, sports related. Right. So, I mean, Nick has already mentioned this, but it just, you know, that just shows how much attention there is on sports right now. And it kind of substantiates why big tech is throwing all this money around just to, you know, secure um, something uh, out of there. And uh, a lot of, you know, advertisers, as, you know, listeners might know, um, always mention total domination of sports as essentially the final nail in the coffin uh, for linear TV. So, uh, we'll just have to see how that evolves uh, over the next couple of years. And on your second note on efficiency, I think a lot of the criticisms that we sometimes get um, talking about the ad opportunity for CTV is saying, you know, well, linear TV targets demographics pretty well right now. And that's why ad dollars haven't moved. Um, but I, I think what's important to realize is that CTV targeting can only get better from here. Whereas linear cannot, right? Because at the end of the day, you are limited to targeting the household. Whereas uh, with Roku, you already have account information filled in. So you have at least one representative of the household. And you also have total visibility over um, what is being viewed across the entire Roku ecosystem, you know, hopping from Netflix to YouTube to um, the Roku channel. We would like to, you know, just remind listeners that CTV ad targeting is just getting started in terms of efficiency improvements and ROI increases. But yeah, just just moving a little more um, broad based. Uh, finally, we want to highlight how we are looking at Roku's business opportunity from a bird's eye view, and that is through our calculations of Roku's gross platform monetization rate. It's a handful. Yeah, this rate refers to our estimate of total transaction volume or revenue facilitated by Roku before applying Roku's respective take rates for each business line, all divided by our estimate of total aggregate hours streamed by all Roku active accounts. So this metrics essentially serves to illustrate how much business activity uh, Roku can capture as its total addressable market grows. Uh, we compare this metric to our estimate of Linear TV's indirect monetization rate, uh, which refers to our estimates for total Linear TV ad spend divided by our estimate for the total aggregate hours of Linear TV watched by all attributable U.S 
households. Uh, we calculate that the 2015 to 2017 average of linear TV indirect monetization as approximately 25 cents per hour, nearly twice that of Roku's gross platform monetization rate in 2021 of approximately 13 cents per hour. Uh, we simply suggest that Roku's gross platform monetization rate can approach, lag, or exceed Linear TV's historical indirect monetization rate of 25 cents in our base, bear, and bull cases, respectively. And please note that this metric is an output, not an input, but we believe it serves as an important sanity check as we note Roku's significant potential for growth with respect to the sheer size and monetization rates of Linear TV. So I guess we can conclude uh, regarding uh, Roku's primary drivers there. But for more information, we encourage listeners to check out our open source model and companion piece found on our website, arc-invest.com. And I can revert back to Nick if there are any more concluding remarks. Yeah, I want to end on just one last piece here. And this is what we're not factoring into this current model. Um, and this focuses on Roku Pay and direct commerce. Um, and so actually, you know, this is a relatively recent development for Roku. Um, it's something that they've hinted about. Um, Roku Pay itself has been a part of the ecosystem for quite a while. Um, Roku Pay is kind of the native payments platform that exists um, within Roku. So when you for those that are listening and watching um, that don't have a Roku account, when you sign on, you put in your credit card information, debit card information, um, so that you have a seamless trans transaction when you go to sign up for a Netflix or an HBO. It's actually all managed natively within the Roku ecosystem. And so for Roku, they're now taking this, um, you know, digitally native wallet, um, and they're going to expand this um, and offer, they're actually currently working with Walmart, um, and they're going to offer a type of TV e-commerce. So the company will sell ads in which users can use Roku Pay to purchase products from Walmart. Um, so this is something, if you, you know, have studied the TV ecosystem, this has been a dream for the TV space uh, really since the inception of the television. This has always kind of been the dream of, you know, let's be able to directly sell products uh, to consumers. And, you know, you have countless examples of, of channels that do this. Um, QVC, you know, you, you're talking about a long history of being able to sell directly to uh, viewers via, via the television. What you haven't had is this kind of next step in terms of one-click shop, shopping or, you know, one-click checkout. So you can imagine working with Walmart, uh, Roku already has your um, account information. They know where you live. They have your shipping address, billing address. Um, Walmart advertises, you know, a new product to you. It's something you want to uh, purchase. Um, and, you know, you have your remote or your, your phone, which you can use as a remote with uh, the Roku, Roku uh, TVs. And, you know, that's going to be something we are probably going to add into the next you know, next year's model um, as this develops. Again, this is a, a relatively new opportunity, um, something we're monitoring very closely and something we think can have a very big impact on a space that has really always tried to go after this um, in terms of direct commerce or, or monetizing viewers in this type of way. Um, so, you know, stay tuned for that. Um, I'll wrap by saying, you know, thank you to Andrew Kim here. He was incredible. 
um, working with him on this was so much fun. Um, I think we had a, a, a great time modeling out this opportunity. And please stay tuned, uh, you know, for next year's refresh of the model. Um, I'm already going to plug it a year in advance. You know, it's, it was only just released last week, but, um, you know, stay tuned. I think there's a lot of exciting things for this company. Um, and, you know, there's a lot we didn't touch on in terms of, you know, what is, uh, you know, in the blog and in the model. And, you know, I'll leave it at that because you're just going to have to, you know, go check out both the blog and the model. Um, but thank you so much for listening to this. We hope it helps. If you have any questions, you can reach out to either of us on Twitter. Um, you can comment below in the YouTube uh, clip. Um, and if you're listening on the podcast, yeah, I think probably Twitter is your, be- your best shot of reaching us and asking us any questions. We're happy to help. Uh, we actually really encourage feedback. Um, we want to hear criticism. Um, we want to learn from everyone that's, you know, looked at the model, um, hear your thoughts. And really, you know, we have an open research ecosystem here at ARC. And so we're going to use that to incorporate um, and continue to look at this opportunity. Um, so please, we, we definitely encourage, you know, constructive uh, uh, feedback. So, yes, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Um, Andrew, thank you again. And, you know, we'll wrap thank here. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Nick. ARC believes that the information presented is accurate and was obtained from sources that ARC believes to be reliable. However, ARC does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any information, and such information may be subject to change without notice from ARC. Historical results are not indications of future results. Certain of the statements contained in this podcast may be statements of future expectations and other forward-looking statements that are based on ARC's current views and assumptions, and involve known and unknown risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results, performance, or events to differ materially from those expressed or implied in such statements.